Welcome to Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. My name is John Bartlett, and I'm your host. Alexander Aki von Glasau is a professional model and an intrepid world traveler who takes his dog Dylan with him everywhere across the globe. Aki was raised in Switzerland and his family always had dogs. Later he became a professional model for Wilhelmina here in New York City and after several years as a model he decided to take some time off, take a trip to Africa to decompress and to study body stress release. One day during his time in Africa he found a dog on his way to school and that dog was Dylan who would later become his furry companion who has never left his side as they've traveled through Europe, Asia, and North America. Dylan and Aki are currently based in Los Angeles until their next adventure arises. Aki, welcome to New York. Thank you so much for being with us today. And you just flew in from Los Angeles? Correct. I flew in with the red eye this morning. You grew up in Los Angeles? I was born in Los Angeles. Okay. And with a very young age, my mom and my sister, we moved to Switzerland. Okay. I grew up Is your mom Swiss? Yeah, she's Swiss. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She was about to be a Californian, but she decided to stay Swiss. Okay. And we became Swiss as well. Yeah. I went to American school in Switzerland. And then I went to a Swiss school in Switzerland speaking English. Yeah. I felt a complete alien. But Tim, he definitely was like a pillar of, yeah, you are weird, but it's okay because I am too. Okay. So tell me about Tim. Tim was our first dog. Tim was a big, big King's Poodle. And he was our family dog. He got into our house because my stepfather at that time wanted a dog for the family. Sure. So he decided to get a poodle because the poodle was non-hairy, non-barky, good with kids, and just is the perfect family dog. Yes. He was a street child. He was never home. You couldn't lock him in the house because Uh the neighbors would complain. He'd be yowling and crying Uh all day long. So Tim was a very special character for himself, like all of the dogs, but this one was mine. My mom had a very special way with animals. Yeah. She had a very special way with me, too. Uh Uh-huh. She just let me do. And... She just let the dog do, too. So the dog created his own world. Yeah. And it was fine. Oh, very cool. Yeah, growing up in Ohio, we always let our dog out in the morning, and she would just wander the neighborhood. We would get calls. Your dog's in our garbage. Your dog's in the pond. Your dog has done this or that. But that was a different time, I think. And I'm much older than you, but it was just a different time when the dogs were just kind of wandering around, and they'd all hang out, and... Now we are so careful, which is great. We don't want them to get hurt, but it's almost like we've become much more obsessive about our dogs. So Tim was your first dog growing up, and then Amy was another dog that you experienced. Tell me about her. Tim and Amy, they were in the house together. Uh-huh. So Tim was this grown dog in his prime age, yeah. I'd say. And Amy was a young puppy that uh-huh. came into the house. And what kind of dog was she? Amy was an Australian Shepherd, female. And Tim right. was a King Poodle male. Amy was the brain. As soon as she was like a year old, she knew the way to the city. So she would go to the bus station from my house, where it was a kilometer, under a mile. From there, she would get on the bus. Oh and God. from the bus... <laughs> Obviously now there's these two dogs because she took Tim with her. Right. Because he wanted to go along and go to the city as well. Suddenly there's this couple that is obviously seeing, observing these dogs. Yeah. Getting in without an owner. And then they get out in Kirchhefluntun where the boss comes to a final stop. Right. And they cross the road and they get into a tram. Tram is like a train but it runs above the ground and it goes very slow through the city of Zurich. And they would get on there and get off six stops later at Bellevue and walk through cobblestones 
alleyways over a big road to my mom's jewelry shop. Oh my god. And my mom would see the dogs and question stuff. Did I bring my dogs to work or not? God. And then the people walk after and go like, these dogs just came by themselves. This well, is all my mom's doing. I am my mom's doing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. My dad's too, but more my mom's, yeah. for sure. I mean, it sounds like a TV show or something of, like, the adventures of Amy and Tim. Amy and Tim, yeah. That yeah. is wild. Yeah, and I think they passed both when they gave that on to me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so Amy, how long did she live? Amy lived a full life. We put it down in the end. Mm -hmm. My mom did. I was here in the States. Mm -hmm. She gave me a call and said, Aki, it's time. Yeah. We all cried in every direction. Because she really, really, really brought something special to our family. And she was just an unbelievable friend. Tim was a friend too, but he was just like all over the place. Right. And so what impact did Amy have on your life? She showed me that a dog is more than just a dog. Mm -hmm. She showed me that I could be more than I was with her. She was always there. We had a great connection and she got me to always wanting a dog. Later in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So from Zurich, you were a young adult and you moved to New York. I was a world-class downhill skateboarder and that allowed me to get into modeling. I moved to New York City. So when you came to New York, you were modeling and that's when you said you got sick and you started getting staph infections. Mm -hmm. So you moved to Cape Town to heal yourself. I, I healed myself. That self healing, mm -hmm. self-help, sure. got me to body stress release. Interesting. Yeah, and body stress release is all about unlocking the tension yeah. and restoring the self-healing process. Wow, very cool. Yeah. Oh, I studied amazing. body stress release there and going from the house where I lived to the school, mm -hmm. it was about a seven mile track along right. this corroded dirt road. And along this road, I find this family and this family had three Huskies, one Malamute, one Serbian Husky and a smaller mix Husky. And I liked those people. I met them and said hi, and keep on cycling to school. And then I saw this brown border collie with a white face. And he was always on the street. He was never in his property. Yeah. He was just wounding around on the street. Skinny, lanky, tall, beautiful brown border collie. Mm -hmm. And then after two months, I cycled past that place. And suddenly there's seven puppies running around. I stopped and, uh, you know, I had the, ah, yes, okay. Right. So I went over there and, and started petting them and met, meeting the people. And they grew older while I was going to that school. And yeah. They grew older and I got a really liking on, on them. And I decided to get one of these puppies. I picked one of these dogs and I picked the one that was the strongest and the fastest and had the most energy. Yeah. After 48 hours, I came back to take him with and he was gone. He just disappeared. All six puppies were there, but the seventh, the one that I was, wasn't there. Mm -hmm. I searched for him for 48 hours. I went to the neighbor towns. I went to the slums. I went to the beach. I went into the forest. I went behind the house. I looked in all the crevices where the mom would go hide the puppies in the bushes behind right. the house. Nothing. I didn't find it. And I was devastated, and I said, this is a sign. I'm not allowed to get one. And Lauren said, you're completely crazy. Get out there and get the next one you want. I was like, okay, so I went out there and first sat down and I let the little girl come over, the daughter from the family. Yeah. And she brought all the puppies, one after the other. And she loved these puppies so much. So she put all the puppies into my lap and I had them all here like spaghetti yeah, puppies in beautiful. my lap. And then Dylan was the first one. He just like went over my arm and laid down next to me and mm. chilled. And then I just gave them all away and knew this was That the was one. it. And he that was the male. He was brown. Yeah. That's when I wanted. And there oh, was Dylan. And there was Dylan perfect. in my life. Yeah. How did you name him? I first called him Levi. Yeah? Yeah. And 
I was pretty proud of that. But Lauren was a very great girlfriend of mine, and we wanted, if we would have wanted kids and it would have been a girl, we would have called it Dylan. Yeah. Three days ago, I picked up my friend in Joshua Tree. He's from Iceland. As I was in Joshua Tree and I picked him up, there was a yellow BMW with a policeman that was off duty. And he had a liking on Dylan as I was getting diesel from my car. And he was like, so what's this guy's name? What breed? And he asked me the three common questions they ask about a dog. And after I said his name is Dylan, his eyes lit up and he went, that was my first dog. Oh, how cool. Do you know what Dylan means? And I said, no. He said, loyal and true. And it blew me away. I was wow. like, yeah, that's, that's him. That sounds that's like him. That's the dog. That's me. Wow. With Dylan, when I was traveling Africa for yeah. a, about two years, I got him there at that school, finished the school. And as I knew I was finished the school, I knew through doing this school, there came something to me that I'm not going to go back to Europe and start a practice and stop modeling. I had a lot of youth in me still, and I wanted to travel. And I still had a bit of money in my account from, from J.C. Penney's. Yeah. <laughs> so That's I great. decided to become more one and get more familiar with this technique. And I decided to travel up to Europe with Dylan and my car. It was a Hilux Toyota. And work with the Africans. I ended up at this deaf school. Went through many villages and places and I met a lot of great people and had great contacts and places I revisited. But this one place stuck to me and it was in Malawi, what is now the poorest country in the world. It's a deaf school of 170 kids and I had my brother with me. And Dylan was there too. Dylan was there all the time and he would take care of all the kids that had ADD. You know, they would <laughs> run with him. Yeah. And we would work with the kids. My brother would cook the food and the photographer would take portraits of the kids and yeah. take pictures of us. Everybody had something to do. We did this for a whole month and I would re-go back there. I've been there now four times, but by myself in different, different settings. Right. But we would travel all the way up there after the school and then travel all the way back down. So Dylan was smuggled in the back of my pickup truck that was completely covered in like this Mad Max construct. Uh -huh. Massage beds over the top and right. rooftop tents and what if and surfboards and bicycles on the side and shovels and whatever you can think of that you need through Africa. Yeah. I had on that truck. Oh. I made my way back to Cape Town. When we got back, my car got stolen the second night after I arrived in Cape Town. A vehicle that I put like a good 20 grand into it. Engineered yeah. this and that over the two years. I just put a great 4x4 together that I would always come back to yeah. when I would go to kids on. It's gone. Yeah. One night. That was a sign. I was like, we got to get out of here. Yes. So Dylan and I, we, we had no more money left because I was going to sell the car or whatever. I just had zero cash. Yeah. And I had one job through my modeling agency in Cape Town. And with that money, I was able to go to New York. In New York, I had a frozen account of like 10 grand, but no place to stay. Yeah. Or, and I had no, I didn't have that 10 grand yet because I arrived to time. I had to wait until the bank opened sure. up. So I was in New York with nothing in yeah. Brooklyn. I got out of the airplane with Dylan, with this dog that has never seen New York. He's traveled Africa. He would chase monkeys and chase the goats and jump out of the car and jump back in and run on the beach and sleep on the beaches. Just, yeah. That was normal for him. Yeah. There was no concrete. Yes. Dylan didn't know what asphalt was. I packed my bag and I was ready to go to New York City from JFK Airport. And there comes a bus and the bus is like, you can't get in here. You got a dog. Right. And my whole world crushed there. My whole world of, I'm going to make it with this dog, crushed right then when I wanted to survive with my dog in the city. Yeah. 
So I'm walking to the train station, the bus comes around again, empty. He opens the door, he says, come in, I'll bring you to the train station. Went with the train all the way to New York City and met a good old friend and he let me stay in his place. From then I just got back into it. And so how was Dylan in New York? Did he adapt? Dylan in New York adapted better than I did. Uh-huh. Interesting. Yes. So when you were with Dylan in Africa as compared to New York, like, did the relationship evolve? Did it change? I mean, of course, you were in different environments, but was it different it when was, you came here? It, yes. Dylan's eyes, I see it. I always see Dylan's eyes. He had those wild African eyes, mm -hmm. those, those deep stinging eyes. And when yeah. he came to New York, they faded. That Africa, that chasing that every night, maybe there's a bobcat, maybe not. Yeah. Whatever it is, it wasn't there anymore. But there was other things. Sure. There was the squirrels, there was the rats. Okay, so you were in New York with Dylan and then you moved. I went first to Europe. Yeah. I went to Europe because it was just another one of my seven times running away from New York City. Right. Because it was just too much. Yeah. So this was one time where I ran off and I took Dylan with me and I left Dylan with my mom in Switzerland. Actually with my sister yeah. on a farm. And he had a really hard time. From New York to Europe, it was for a girl, but I said it was for the the Africa thing. It was a for combination. Yeah. And I stayed in Europe for a while, and I connected back. I tried to live in Europe to that time. I tried to get back into, but I, I just couldn't get the grip in Switzerland. Mm -hmm. There was no place for me in Switzerland to be a, a Swiss. I am now in Los Angeles with Dylan because we want to save other dogs. And with those other dogs, we save other people. Very cool. Dylan's traveled all around the world with you. When I see Dylan and his face, his expression, you guys really are each other. A lot of times people say that we start to look like our dogs. And I have to say, you guys kind of look like each other because you have the same wanderlust, the same kind of excitement. And he's given you so much as you've given back to him. Would you say that he's rescued you? One million percent. They pick you. Yeah. For sure. They pick you because they have that complete clarity. They go straight with their feeling. What is their compass? Instead of with a thought, what is like a three magnets on a compass. Definitely a rescue. Definitely a rescue. Definitely knew from beginning on by not knowing, just by, by that being. But he picked you. 100%. Yeah. Do you feel a spiritual connection with Dylan? Whatever is spiritual is we share 100% mm -hmm. as mm -hmm. well. If I have that, then he has that. It's my, it's my twin in a hairy form, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. And that. it's a choice. Yeah. You, can, you don't have a twin, you can get a twin. It's all over. I love all those chronicles of Narnia, or what is the compass book. This fantasy movie where all the people in the world, they all have a spirit animal. Yes, that's us. Yes. Yes, and let's step up to that. With your relationship, starting with Tim as a kid and then growing up a little bit older with Amy and then meeting Dylan, who is like your soulmate from a different species. Do you feel or can you express this idea about how dogs and man are sort of meant to be together? Yes. Like there's a special, there's a special bond there. Yes. They taught us to hunt and now they teach us unconditional. They teach us that everything is unconditional. If you want to fix it, it's unconditional. Yeah. If you want to move on, unconditional is the way. With Dylan, you had mentioned this idea of mutualism when we were talking on the phone earlier. Can you describe what that is to you, mutualism? If you look up what mutualism means, these two organisms 
are cooperating with each other, but they're two different species. Traveling through Africa, there was a man that came to me, he said, this dog is your guide. I'm sure he went over to Dylan and he said, you know that guy over there, he's your guide. <laughs> so there's this mutualism. With a dog, you're exchanging what you have no clue about exists, that is you too. Mutualism for me is when two things become each other, but they still stay each other. I really hope to get to meet Dylan someday. He's I'll just, bring him. Please do. And he's just, every picture that, I hope that the listeners will check you out. Because the pictures just, they make me smile. And um, I hope that he has a very, very long life and that you guys are happy for a very long time. Thank, Thank you, you so much, much for being here tonight. Even not the long life, it's exactly the way it should be. You're right. You're very right. Thank, Thank you, you again. Thanks. Thank you. Aki's story is so special to me because as a dog owner, I've always wanted to bring my dogs wherever I go, but I'm really limited. And somehow Aki has figured out a way to adapt his life. He's able to bring Dylan anywhere he's gone, from Europe through Asia, all the way around the States, and they become this beautiful pair. And it's so impressive because I know so many people that have dogs, and they feel restricted. They can't bring their dogs with them. If they do, they can only stay in certain places. And Aki is so inspiring because he's been able to figure this out. And in doing so, he's created this incredible, beautiful life for both he and Dylan. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. This show is a production of As It Should Be, a content studio, and it's made with the support of our producer and editor, Jack Summer. Special thanks to our composer and neighbor, Daniel Lampert, for creating the music for the show. I hope you enjoyed the episode. You can subscribe to Dog Save the People on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like this show, please leave a review or rating. New episodes come out every Tuesday, so see you next week for another episode from Dog Save the People. You can also check out the Tinyton Rescue Fund, my foundation, at johnbartlettny.com. Enjoy a walk with your dog and make it a great day for both of you.